Hello and welcome to Unsafe Space. You are watching our live show called Kafefi Break, which we do on Mondays and Fridays. Today is Monday, August 16th, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Carter Laren. Hello, Carter. And my name's Carrie Howdy, Smith. Carrie. I have because of our new setup, I haven't done the intros in so long. You, you know, so that was good. I good assume practice. you do them for deprogrammed. Yeah, but it's <laughs> different. It's different. Okay. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm Welcome. a little bit under the weather today. So if I, my energy is low, I apologize to everyone. But uh, it's not it's not the coof. I think it's curry that I ate. But that's is it the do? Is it the doof? It's the doof. I don't know what the doof is. What is the doof? That's what I'm calling the Delta variant. <laughs> oh, is the Delta variant the doof? Yeah, it could be the doof. <laughs> uh, now's a good time to remind everyone that we have our first ever Unsafe Space Retreat coming up this weekend in Texas. We're going to be at a secluded private ranch together. And uh, somebody was asking about any any policies. We don't have any. You, it's up to you to if you want to protect well, however you feel like you should best protect yourself against viruses or snake bites or uh, uh, chickers or any other kind of creatures. That's up to you. So we let you be an individual. And we also had a book club yesterday, which I apologize. I missed. Carter was holding it down. For, it a, with... it, so first of all, I, this is literally one of my favorite books that we've read. Like I loved it. <laughs> um, and the reason Good. I loved it, was it was a collection of essays that spanned from the 18th century all the way through present day. And it was radical thinkers, some of whom I disagreed with what they were saying. And I thought like they were completely wrong about some stuff. Like, absolutely. There was some complete stuff in there that I was like, this is just wrong. Um, but I think I'm tired of, of reading stuff written in the last 20 years by people who think that the status quo is normal and can't think very far outside the box. Like I really appreciate the kind of radical extremist perspective of like, Hey, why don't we throw it all out and do this? And like, and some of the people that wrote were like communists basically. And I'm like, okay, I disagree with your premises, but some of the criticisms that you have are valid. And mm -hmm. it's, it's refreshing to hear, um, I mean, they were all well-written, they were all smart, and it was refreshing to, to hear a a perspective that was um, untainted by the defeatism of, of a pragmatic 45-year-old, <laughs> right? Like, just kind of like, it felt like college kids who had ideas about the world and like wrote about, except for these were actually adults were writing at the time. So um, I don't know, I enjoyed it. Uh, Good. Not many people in book club. But actually, it was I think it would have been hard to have 16 people in book club to do a discussion on that book, because it was pretty in depth. So it was fine. Um, yeah. What is our next book? It's our next book is Neuromancer by William Gibson. And it's on September 19th. Uh, I think book club is. Yeah. So, so we're going back to fiction. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, oh, by the way, we're supposed to remind you, press the, press the like and subscribe buttons. Uh, go 
I don't know. If it's your first time here, there's Do a little subscribe that... button you can hit. Yes, Carter's feeling under the weather. You can also hit like. And if you are a, a longtime fan of the show and you would like to help support us and you have the means to help support the show financially, uh, you can go to unsafespace.com to the donate page and there's a lot of different ways to subscribe. Thank you. Go. Done. Yes. <laughs> you can also donate in cryptocurrency, which apparently in the latest infrastructure bill is now they have, you know, how can we tax that some more? Woohoo, got to get our hands on that. Um, I was listening to, I was, this is unrelated to like a lot of the big news that's going on today. I understand that we have to get to things like Afghanistan, but um, I, I was listening this morning to this TechCrunch podcast about <clears throat> just general tech news and, and they were talking about the infrastructure bill and crypto stuff. And, you know, it really breaks my heart as a crypto dude because they, like when, when, when cryptocurrency stuff started, it was so the spirit behind it was so libertarian and so like we're gonna do this and it's it's like there's political there's a political reality behind this there's motivation is political behind it um it's a way to almost be an agorist and be outside the system and it's a way to kind of fight the power even so some people were more on the left some people more on the right but all of them trying to step outside of the the long arm of the government um and to do something that they thought was kind of subversive and potentially game-changing politically. And, you know, in the past five, six, seven years, crypto's just been taken over by the suits and from venture capital firms and, and, and regulators, and it's just become another way for douchebags to make money. And, like, we should be regulated just like the banking industry. We can't have the guy with saying, well, anyone who wants crypto to, to succeed would like it to be regulated because that's how we do it's like fuck you just fuck you fuck you you don't belong in crypto fuck you get the fuck out but i can't say that because where's that's most of crypto now yeah. like a lot of crypto is those people and it's just sad to see nobody wants of... crypto regulated i mean none of the people who when i think of crypto people you're you're speaking of the new people that are in it now like the but they're contained they're there but they're the money they're the purse strings they're they're the ones doing the big things like they're the ones behind coinbase and whatever like they're the ones that are going to take over with with crypto and it's going to be and the, the ideologues uh, the the idealist crypto people are going to be like the you know the crypto six in New Hampshire get thrown in jail for not filing SEC paperwork or whatever like that's that's where it's going and it's sad so well, sorry about my language sorry people are yelling <laughs> yeah it's too much with the swears too much too much too early in the morning and too many f bombs and we have some, yeah, yeah, so apologies. Uh, there's a lot in the news that is swear-worthy lately, though. And I don't even know where to start with Afghanistan. Other than that, <laughs> other than that, look, we read the book as part of book club uh, this past year. We read The Management of Savagery, which if you haven't read, if you didn't join us for that book club, I would definitely recommend. It's a great history of all of our interventions in the Middle East. And it's not, it's it's actually written by someone on the left. So it's a good book you can recommend to people on the left because it's written by Max Blumenthal. But you'll find even if you are on the right or if you're in the center, you're gonna be able to discern, you know, his opinion about things from the facts of the matter. And, and really he paints a picture of, it doesn't really matter what party's in control most of the time, most of the time. What's good continue. about it is like, he comes from, even though he's on the left, 
he's addressing a topic that the left and right agree on and he is against right there both the left and right are basically and i'll say the mainstream left and right the democrats and republicans are part of the uniparty war machine and so he's peeling back the 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 curtain there and talk and showing you what's going on behind the curtain and yeah he's coming at it from a leftist perspective but uh both both mainstream parties kind of don't want you to see that so you yeah. can look at his leftism and go yeah I, I, that part of the perspective i don't like but all the facts he's lying out laying out here are 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 real and are useful true. and stuff that do get covered up by the cathedral and mainstream media yeah, yeah. and so my thoughts on i think anyone who first of all <laughs> You don't have to have an opinion on Afghanistan. I'd like to say that out of the gate. I saw a really funny tweet uh, from Bridget Fetessy who said, the funniest thing on Twitter right now is comedians having an opinion on Afghanistan. And <laughs> it's just sort of like, you know, it's it, this feeds into that, that same uh, false belief that we've been told we must have an opinion and we must figure out what our tribe's opinion is and speak that and really have no depth of knowledge. And it's actually okay to say, I don't have enough knowledge to have a, a nuanced opinion. I know, I don't think we ever should have been there. And I know the way that it, this was managed in terms of pulling out was appears to be awful. And I, and I know have that the news on to my left, there are people literally running <sighs> after a plane and clinging to it as it's trying to take off. So it looks a little yeah. bit mismanaged. Yeah, and I and I do know that Biden's press conference a couple of weeks ago in July, he said that that there was no possibility of this happening, that it was going to be a you know peaceful pullout, and that there was no possibility of the Taliban taking over, and and he said it with such confidence, like liars do, and I I I think well, that's awful, but I think they're all liars. People would they all say that? I also say that. <laughs> So, and the other thing that I'm concerned about is just a very pragmatic, I guess, concern is that, um, did you read about how they released 5,000 prisoners, the Taliban did, most of I them terrorists, that, yeah. and some of them yeah. ISIS, and so these 5,000 presumably terrorists, some of them had been in Guantanamo Bay, are now free, and we have a pretty much unsecured southern border, and you know, a large group of people within within our border who want to keep it that way. Who want to, so I don't I don't know for what that if that I don't think that bodes well. But that's just me. What do I know? So you know, I I I should say this about Afghanistan. So I I've I've been libertarian, individual rights focused for twenty five years. That hasn't changed, but. Um, I was not red-pilled in the sense of understanding how much we were being lied to um, until eh, maybe 10 years ago. Like It was more recent, right? Um, maybe a little bit longer. But, but when 9-11 happened, my visceral response was very similar to a lot of other um, responses from conservatives, right? Which I don't think is an unhealthy emotionally, which was I was being told, hey— it was this guy, Osama bin Laden, and he's in Afghanistan, and they're protecting him, and we have to go invade Afghanistan. And, like, I was just buying the mainstream media narrative, and I wanted to defend America. Like, I, I was actually like, yes, we should go fight these guys. You know, I was incensed that, you know, I was – we had been attacked, and I wanted – I had this desire to defend America, which I think is a 
I still think even people who are misguided, it's a valid emotional, like it's a good emotional response to, to look at the world and say, I prefer America to caliphates. Like that's a good <laughs> emotional response. Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> so at the time I was like, yeah, we need to go do this. And it, it you know, I'm now much more, we shouldn't be in foreign entanglements and blah, blah, blah. Like I've completely changed my opinion about uh, U.S. military involvement and, and I've been a much more of a uh, isolationist militarily. But what I was thinking about, the thing that made me think about this and the reason I'm bringing it up is I was watching, I put on, I'd rarely put on the news, but I was out of commission for a lot of the weekend. And so I, I wanted to catch up this morning quickly before the show and I put on the news to see what they would be saying. And um, there was a guy on Fox uh that th their main message actually seemed to be and it was a few people actually talking to families of love who've lost loved ones in afghanistan who like so like fa like military families right yeah. and they're and they're adamantly saying it's important that they understand their sacrifice was not in vain it's important that they understand their sacrifice was not in vain it's not in vain how dare you say it was in vain blah 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 blah, blah. they're very adamant about saying it's important that your sacrifice wasn't in vain and I, I realized what this, what the state does is they, and I, I want to speak to like soldiers and families of soldiers right now. They use the best part of you against you. I know a lot of people that join the military and maybe get sent off to Afghanistan or Iraq or wherever. They, not all of them, but many of them do it out of a sense of like this feeling of they want to protect liberty. They want they they view the U.S. as um, uh, more based on individual rights than other countries, and they want to defend that and defend freedom and defend liberty. And those are noble things to do, right? But they they use this against you. You need to be able to separate. Was sending people to Afghanistan to die ultimately in vain? You can say that it was ultimately in vain without besmirching the memory of the people who were willing to go do it, thinking that it was a good idea. You need to be able to step back and say, was this actually a good idea? Um, without getting your panties in a twist because it offends people who got you injured know, or lost family. You know why, of course, psychologically, it's hard for people to do that. It's the sunken cost fallacy that you've talked about or it's the that because and right. the, the cost here being the 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 life of their loved one and right. and that's a very big cost to pay and and to have to psychologically come to terms with oh i understand the, it may it maybe the conflict didn't right necessitate this yeah then it's very painful because you don't want like like they, like you're saying they don't nobody wants the death of a loved one who volunteered and who went in with the best of intentions to have had their life treated so callously and to be right but to save with, yeah. future lives you need yeah. to ask the question honestly right you need like you you can say to those families what your child did may have been out of a noble motivation and maybe even i don't even i'm like i want to speak generally now not about afghanistan in particular but you can say it may have been out of a noble motivation maybe the the goals were even noble but it turned out to be a bad idea and we need to save other families from suffering the tragedy you did it doesn't dishonor your son to say he did this 
with noble intentions and it turned out to be a like it wasn't his idea right so like it's not didn't turn out to be his bad idea like it was someone else's plan mm -hmm. and it was a bad plan um and i think one of the things that I want to say to like active military people or people thinking about joining, especially young men with all the, the energy and heroism that's kind of comes with being 18 as opposed to having back pains at the age of 45 and feeling decrepit. Um, like, <laughs> I'm just I'm gonna, like, I'm, I'm feeling pretty broken right now. Like, this morning uh, in bed was like snap, crackle and pop. Like, ugh. yeah, right. <laughs> but I, I get that. And you've got a lot of energy and it's good they're using it against you and let me explain how they're using it against you that love for liberty and freedom that desire to protect liberty and individual rights that desire is noble and good they're taking it out of the u.s and shipping it off to the middle east guess where we need it guess where we need that aggression and vigilance and willingness to fight for liberty we need it here. They're plundering your home. They're sending you away to foreign territories to distract you. They're picking the best people, the people who care about liberty enough to lay down their lives for it, duping them into thinking that the way to do it is to leave the country and not pay attention to the pillaging that is happening in the country, sure. the pillaging of our right liberties here. that is happening right here. Ask yourself if you care about liberty, what have you done to protect it in the US? What have you done to preserve liberty in the US? And the answer is probably not much. You've been worried about it elsewhere because they've directed your energies externally. That it's the fox is in the hen house and he's pointing going and you're the guard dogs. And he's like, hey, there's some coyotes over there on the couple miles away, you might want to go check them out because what if they come over here? And you're like, oh, <laughs> okay, great. It's a great noble effort. I get that you want to go save the hens from the coyotes, but the fox is the one sending you. He's eating the hens while you're gone. We need that energy and that 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 uh, idealism and that spirit here. We need you desperately. Young men, we need you here. Liberty-minded young men, masculinity your masculinity is yeah. what we need here defending us in this country now not over in fucking afghanistan not in some place where it's like we're going to teach people how to vote because that's somehow very important like we need you here because they have been raping and pillaging while you've been gone we and they were... do this decades and decades they keep doing this generation after generation they take the young men and they get them the hell out the, the ones that care about liberty, they get them the hell out of the country so that they're not around paying attention to what's going down. Um, we were talking about this after church yesterday, some women and I about masculinity. And first of all, you've used all the F's in the swear jar today. So no more. <laughs> no more. <laughs> Where's Marie Buffy when you need her? And I, I need mean, some rescue. Real, Marie. Yeah, really. Um, but but I hear but but we were talking about this yesterday and about just in general, masculine masculinity, healthy masculinity is has been under attack for so long in this country, where I hadn't really thought about what you're saying about the the best being sent away. But that is happening. That is happening. Yes. And then 
And then for the most part, a lot of the men who don't choose, think about the men who don't choose to go fight for their country. A lot of them are these male feminists. I know it's a derogatory term. People make fun soy boys, but, but they really they are. Man they, buns and they're soy boys. Yes. And they're yoga. Yes. Yeah. And they don't inspire any confidence. And, you know, we had this, it was just a really, I, I really love talking with women with a, a variety of opinions about stuff like this, because it doesn't matter where we're coming from. We all agreed on some basic things. And, you know, I think there's a, I think there is a real gap right now. I think there's a real, um, we are missing strong, confident men and masculinity. And there's been so much done in society to chip away at that and to kind of poison it and to make men ashamed for being masculine and to, to, to denigrate. Turn that we've made their aggression bad. We've when made their, their aggression actually bad. What's needed. Yes. Guard dogs need to be aggressive because wolves are aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what the solution is, but this is really interesting to me, what you're saying about we need you here. Even if you're turning that guard dog mentality, like let it loose at the schools, you know, let it loose at the school board, protect your kids from bad, evil ideology, racist ideology, protect your kids from right now in Texas around me. Um, so we, our governor said the schools can't mandate masks, but now a lot of our uh, city leaders are saying like in Austin, they're saying, screw what the governor says, we're going to mandate masks. So there's this battle raging now in all these independent school districts where they're just kind of, do we go with what the governor says? Do we go with what the local localities are saying? And, and then I was looking at some of the pages and there's these, uh, there was one woman I saw, she's going around to every school board, Facebook page. Her, she doesn't even have kids at these schools. She has kids at one school in Austin. She's going around to the Georgetown one, the Leander one, all the others, and making it seem like we've talked about these activists. They, they always make it seem like they have a bigger voice than they really do, that there's lots of them. And she's just right. laying into them about, you need these mass mandates. And it's like, you don't even have a kid here. Shut up. Trying to force suffocation on the children that go to this school and you don't even have a kid here. And, and we need parents who are standing up against that. And yesterday we were talking about how um, a lot of the women, I haven't seen this because I don't have kids in the, in the schools, but they were saying it's a lot of women who are fighting back. And I have seen that in the Facebook groups. There's a lot of moms who are fighting back and saying, no more. You will not force a mask on my kid. No more. Where, but we need dads doing this too. We need strong men. It can't just be the women. And I know, I know that's yeah. because of what feminism and a lot of the, the I, I can already hear the men in the audience who have been attacked by feminism over the years saying, this is why this is happening. I know why it's happening. I get it. We cut men off at the knees. Yeah. But we need strong men now. And women need to build up those men. You need to build up those men in your life. Yeah. Well, I had I mean, a friend ask me, let me tell you real quick, just something real quick yep. that relates to this, a personal thing. I had a friend ask me for relationship advice recently and she was telling me everything that's going like, you know, just maybe, you know, he drinks too much. There's this thing happening. There's this thing happening. We're not connecting in this way. How does, how can I, can I change him or not? And how should I want? And, and here's sort of what I was saying. I, mean, I know we're getting a little far. We were talking about Afghanistan, but this is, this is something you can do in your real life with the man in your life. And I said to her, like, I don't even need to know all the specifics, but I'll tell you this. A lot of times men don't know that they're good. 
and that they're strong and everything in society is telling them the opposite. And oh, so, or they know that, or they think their strength is a flaw. Oh, or they think there's something wrong with it. And right? so, being like being aggressive or, or whatever, that's a flaw. Yes. Or they're, they're too stubborn or they're not compromising enough or they're too mean or aggressive. Like all that stuff, those are all admirable qualities of men. Yes. Those, those are not flaws. They're only flaws if your standard is a woman. Then maybe like a stereotypical woman. Then you can say, okay, well, by the female stereotype, those are flaws. They're not flaws by the male stereotype. Not that we need to adhere to stereotypes, but they're not flaws. So I said, as a, as a woman, what you could say to the man in your life is, if they're someone who's struggling and you see them what in whatever way they're struggling in their life, you can be, you can tell them that you see the good in them, that you see the strength in them. And I know this sounds like a cheesy thing. I got, I got, I was building up to this passion, but it, but it really is. I think it's important. I think it's, I think it's so important and I think it's missing. And, 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 and I didn't even need to know all the specifics of what was happening with her, but she immediately said, that's, you're exactly right. She said, in fact, we had a, a night where he was drinking and he was, he was trying to convince me that he was a good man, but he was actually trying to convince himself. And it was like, yeah, that's something right. that brokenness there that, that he doesn't think he's good or he's strong or whatever. Society is just piling on and doing everything it can to reinforce that. And so you, you can be, you can do something small in your life and your relationships by seeing the good in him and encouraging the good in him and the strength in him. So anyway, yeah, I mean, women's the, the hour. Way to, no, the way to treat, <laughs> the way to treat young men is to not tell them it's bad to be aggressive or it's bad to be stubborn. The way to do it is to say, these are the things to be aggressive and stubborn about. You need to jealously guard liberty. You know what you should. You know what you should be stubborn about: individual rights, safeguarding your, liberty, justice. Your child. You, should be, you know what you should be aggressive about? Yeah, you should be aggressive against injustice. That's yeah. what you should be aggressive about. Not, not over in Afghanistan, but here, here. Um. So Jean says, yeah. I just want to say, share a comment from a a lady in the chat. This is not a super chat, but Jean says. Mm -hmm. Let the men in your life see themselves in the mirror of your admiration. Yes. Yes, right. Jean. <laughs> and and just to bring back to Afghanistan for, just for a second is, uh, unfortunately, there are some young men who have that masculinity who don't go to war because whatever, they're smarter than I was and they see through it or whatever. They're like, okay, this is not... You know, this isn't a good idea. This isn't the best way to defend liberty. They stay here and they they take care of their family or they defend their, you know, liberty in their community or whatever. But I think to a large extent, most of the ones that have that masculinity and that aggression, they get exported. And I, it's, I, it they just do. dawned on to me and it's so... It's so I dangerous. Actually... And I would say if you want, if you want, if you fantasize about deposing a a despot who is violating individual rights you don't need to go to Kabul. go to san francisco <laughs> like yeah go go to the go to your town hall wherever you live you, you don't need to go to Kabul to find a despot who's violating individual rights that you can defend <laughs> that you can depose yeah. i know a lot of good men who signed up after 9 11 and went over and ended up 
Yeah. Maybe, maybe not regretting it. Cause I don't think, you know, I think everything kind of, I'm one of those cheesy people who thinks you can learn something from everything, but, but they definitely ended up thinking it wasn't what they thought. The, the men I know who went. Yeah. So I think you're right. Well, um, Afghanistan itself, I actually don't have a lot of, like, I don't think we should have been there in the first place. I don't think, what's, uh, let's see, it spent, we spent $2.261 trillion on the war in Afghanistan. I don't know. Probably wow. could think of some better ways to spend that money, maybe giving it back to people. Um, American service members killed in Afghanistan through April was 2,448. How many? Contract, 2,448. Contractors was 3,846 and Afghan national military and police 66,000 other allied service members, including other NATOs, 1,144. Um, so, you know, I don't think, I, I don't oh. think maybe like going over there, <laughs> trying to convince a bunch of Afghanis that, by the way, where the average IQ is 84, um, I'm not saying it's through fault of their own who I don't know all the contributing factors, but you, you don't go like democracy is not this panacea. You don't, you don't go over there and say, we're going to kick the Taliban out, uh, and we're going to give you some democracy and everything will be fine. I, that is the most well, naive, you don't have to be a foreign policy expert to say that's just dumb. Also, like somebody made a good point I saw on, on Twitter this weekend, I forget who, but they were sort of saying, imagine thinking that the US has any ground to stand on, any leg to stand on, thinking that we, we're the right people to go bring democracy somewhere else. Why I is mean, democracy what we're bringing? <laughs> yeah, and why? what have we done to demonstrate that that's even, I mean, I, the idea that we are, look at, like you said, look at what's happening in our country right now. <laughs> Yeah. Right. <laughs> Look at where we're at. And the people who are sleeping, they don't see it. It's really amazing that I'm really a lot of these. Somebody said something about platitudes in the chat. A lot of platitudes. I'm starting to understand the truth in them. And, and a lot of aphorisms. I'm, I'm coming to understand. That, oh, that's is this is truth. So ignorance is bliss. That's true. I know these people who are still asleep and they don't have any idea. I'm I'm smiling because it must be amazing. <laughs> like it must a be lot of times the aphorisms. Yeah, a lot of times it yeah. turns out that in the right context, the aphorisms make sense, but in the wrong yeah. context, they you know they can get yeah, applied they and they're stupid. Be... But once you get the context, you're like, oh, I see where that came from. They have no idea. In that context, coming. it's totally true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and yeah. if and if you try to talk to them, if they about communism or about the cultural revolution that's unfolding in our country, about this new kind of Marxism that's taking root everywhere, everywhere from the school board meetings to the presidency, this social justice Marxism has taken root and it's just as corrupt and it's just as evil and it's just as wrong as, as the Marxism of old. If you try to talk to them about that, they think you're crazy. That's how blissful they are. That's how ignorant they are. They don't, but, but there will come a time when things get bad enough. In so many of these discussions we've been having, people are always like, well, when things get bad enough, then the, even those people will wake up. Maybe, but the problem is they have to get, it has to get so bad. And, and, and the rest of us have to experience that too. Things are going to, we're going to have to get to a point maybe where like in Venezuela, where dollars are blowing around in the street because they mean nothing. 
Well, and I think there's there. I and I hate. I don't want to be a dick about it, but it's it's naive and stupid optimism to think that it always works out for the best and people eventually figure it out before things get too bad. Sometimes things get too bad and tens of millions of people are slaughtered before you figure it out. Like it, there's no, it's not like, oh, don't worry. They'll figure it out when it gets bad enough and then they'll stop the, you know, dictatorship or the, the slaughterhouse that's coming. I, why? What, where's the universal law that think that that's going to happen? Time and yeah. time again in history, people figured it out. 10 million dead souls too late. That happens all the time. Yeah. Have you seen the, remember this old sci-fi movie, old, old-ish, with Matt Damon called Aselium or Elysium or something like that? Oh, I remember. Where, I probably saw it because I watch a lot of sci-fi, but I don't remember. Okay. I saw it too, but I'd completely forgotten it until my housemate was watching it. And I just saw snippets of it as she was, I was, I was walking through the house and she was watching it and it takes place in the year like 2150 or something. And the way that they imagine in this film, everything on earth has just been devastated. And it, it just looks like the worst slum in India. And it, and it starts off in, I think it's outside of LA, but all the rich people, all the elites have moved to this ship where they're gra- they're uh, gravitating around the Earth's surface and they're mm-hmm. living this l- luxurious lifestyle up there. And all the sheep are down here in just ruin. And I was thinking as I walked by, I was like, yeah, I kind of remember that movie. And that's the sort of thing that when I saw it, when it first came out, however, however old that is now, I probably, I know, I probably looked at it as just a, a thrilling piece of sci-fi, you know, science fiction and, now I look at that and I'm like, I wonder how far off they are with the years. 2150. Is that going to take that long? <laughs> like, like, how accurate was the prediction? <laughs> yeah. I never used to think I would see what's happening in this country happen in my lifetime. It's weird yeah. to come to terms with that. And I know so many people saying that now of like, whoa, like I just, I never thought I would see authoritarianism unfold this way in my country. I never thought I would see this. I never thought I would see where like rule of law doesn't matter or the constitution doesn't matter and and you know your individual rights don't matter and and the public can be swayed to go along with it. Enough of the public can be swayed to go along with it. There's people all weekend on social media I was looking at. There's people all over social media now with blue check marks. These are people that we supposedly in society's terms are we should respect. These are actors and and politicians and journalists and they're saying things now i'm waiting for you to get to a category we should respect but no but you know society has deemed these people worthy of respect and they're saying things about how we should be segregated from society put into camps forcibly injected um this is happening now it's happening in new york it's happening in san francisco and just like we talk yeah, yeah just like we talk about the importance of knowing your own shadow self um, and not burying your head in the sand and saying like, well, I, I could never do this or it could never, like, I could never be this bad. You have to also understand the shadow, like culture that you're in. Like it can be, there is no, like, (laughs) yes, it can be authoritarian. Yes, you can be living next to a bunch of radical fascists or Marxist revolutionaries, like, yes, you can. 
it, yes, that can happen. It happens over and over again. It happens all the time. And I think a lot of really good science fiction is just something that's happened historically. They've updated the technology and exaggerated it a little bit. And like, there yeah. you go. You get some great. It's like, okay, well, go. that that happens. It happens all the time. So. <sighs> uh, we should do some super chats just to stay caught up. I wanted to yeah. read a couple of these. Yeah, Let's see. Ahead. Thank you guys for hanging out with us today. G-Man gives us $2. Thank you, G-Man, and says Doge, uh, Dogecoin remains pure, Carter. I don't know about that. I don't know anything about Dogecoin. <laughs> I mean, anything you don't report, I guess, remains pure. And I don't is Dogecoin even on Coinbase or something? <sighs> I, no I know idea. one of the guys who invented Dogecoin. It is. It was a joke. It was intended. I know it was a joke. joke. Just to be clear, Johnny Boy Quick Draw ten dollars says if you only use it anonymously, that's fine. But the IRS treats crypto like stocks. You have to declare every transaction and calculate cost basis. That being said, I'm with you, Carter. F them. Right. Yeah. Finest City Cycling. Hello, Finest City Cycling for four ninety nine says. Recommend a piece on Matt Taibbi's Substack. Quote, this is the title he's recommending. Uh, An Afghanistan veteran looks back on the first postmodern war. Huh. Okay. Beverly, if you're if you're around, maybe you could find that on Matt Taibbi's Substack and put it in the chat, put the URL. Thank you, Finest City Cycling. And then John Boy gives us 10 Lyrae. Okay, <laughs> I don't know what that is and says, how do you think Afghanistan will impact on the Biden presidency? I, this is a great question. Do you know what I think? I, I think it doesn't matter at all. I think nothing he does matters. And it, it, it really, I know this sounds nihilistic or black pill, but it really doesn't matter. He, he could, we've, this is the worst it could be. There are people dying in the streets that released all these terrorists from prison. Christians are being assaulted and attacked over there. And, and he's on camera saying this, there's no possibility of this happening and it doesn't matter. We're in a, a post-truth world and the media, as long as you, Eric Weinstein said something like, you know, you can't lie this bad and convince enough people unless you have the media and social media in your pocket. Well, of course they do. This is all one big cathedral. It's all part of the same thing. It's not that Biden has it in his pocket. Biden himself is not even that power. Biden's just a figurehead. He's in a pocket, I think. He's yeah. in a pocket. Yeah, but it's all like <laughs> it doesn't matter. He's just he's just the face of this right now. He doesn't I don't actually think he's powerful at all. But I I do think it'll affect the presidency though in in one sense. I while I agree with you that uh the cathedral will protect him and you know, I mean, we already see that. We see how the difference yeah. between how they've covered Trump versus Biden's yes. absence during some kind of crisis. Like, it, yes, obviously they're going to protect him and blah, blah, blah. But uh, I think if you look at it from the Democrats' perspective, um, they need – we need a semblance of a two-party system. Otherwise, if it becomes too obvious that it's only Democrat and only radical left all the time, I think they're a little bit worried about the the visuals of that right now. So – Anyone who's, I think it's it's a, it may open the door for some mainstream neocon Republican types to win in the midterm elections. Like you might see more, but you're not, but they're not going to be, they're not going to be liberty minded ones. They're just going to be part of the yeah. Uniparty. The Uniparty's got two different color shorts, 
right? So like yeah. the red short, people wearing the red shorts from the uni party will like, yeah, they'll get a little still... headway from this and they'll use it and be like, okay, rah, rah, you know. I think we should start doing what you just did and calling it all the party. Which right. do you like in the party? Do you like the red team or the blue team? I mean, they're both in yeah. the party. Like, it's, I'm right. part of the party. I'm on the red. I'm on the blue. Like, it doesn't matter most of yeah. the time. Yeah. So Every I, once I think in a while, the party won't be affected. Right. This is why, I mean, I, I really think Bernie Sanders, whatever your thoughts about him, he wasn't part of the party. I think he is now maybe, <laughs> but he wasn't part of the party and they didn't want him to win and they kept him from winning. They did what they needed to do to make sure they saw him coming a mile away and they made sure he did not win. They didn't see Trump coming though. And I don't think Trump was part of the party either. That I don't know. I know I know some friends who disagree with me, but I don't think he was part of the the cathedral and they didn't I think see he had him his coming. Own agenda. Yeah, so they didn't they didn't they didn't prevent him from winning in 2016, but I mean, we saw what happened in 2020. <laughs> yeah, I I think Bernie I don't I don't know a lot of the, the history of Bernie and I'm obviously someone who never liked Bernie. Um, so I, you know, I don't have like affection and then he assimilated and now I don't like him. I never liked him, but my guess is that Bernie was, um, Bernie was a little bit too AOC before it was okay to be a little bit too AOC. Like Bernie was a little bit too overtly leftist and, and principled maybe on some, some leftism that the, the Democrats didn't want, I see big, right? As someone who voted for Bernie. I will disagree just on a minor point for anyone. Mm. I don't think he's like AOC at all. Maybe in some of the word, maybe she speaks. No, I don't mean like her in that way. Yeah. I mean, like her in the sense that now we look at AOC and if you look at the stuff she says, it's so radical left and crazy that it wouldn't, she wouldn't have been able to be elected 15 years ago. Right. Like she wouldn't have been, the democratic party would have run from her screaming because they didn't want to be associated with her, even though secretly they come, they totally agree. And I think Bernie, I think they agree with a lot of him, but he was too much of a bull in a china shop. And I don't think he was, um, yeah, I think he was just too much of a bull in the china shop. I don't think they thought he was good optically. That's mm-hmm. all. Um, he was kind of saying the quiet part out loud sometimes. And they were like, well, don't you can't do that, right? Um, so I don't, I, just I don't know, and I don't know him well enough him. either. Like, was he anti-war? Because I've also heard his he's anti-war. Talk. See, the thing about Bernie is that I've always gotten a good feeling from him until the last election when he started showing that he was beholden to the woke people, and he had not done that in 2016. Mm-hmm. I always got a good feeling from him that he was good intentioned, whether or not he. And and I'm just saying, as someone who voted, I know you disagree, yeah, Carter, yeah, but yeah, as someone yeah, who voted yeah. for him. I got good intention vibes from him. I will tell you that. And yeah. not part of the party and not someone who could be owned. And that The thing I is he never I mean. had a job in the private sector. He was always a politician. So, so it's 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 hard to believe that you're not part of a machine if that's all you've ever been doing. Right? I mean, that's I by the way, like that is probably the nastiest thing I could think to say about anyone is they've never had a job. Um yeah. <laughs> like I think that's horrible. But uh, I guess we don't care anymore. Um, all right, let's do some super chats. Where are we? 
you can be a Did good do- intentioned person and be in politics your whole life. I think that's possible. I just don't think we see a lot of that. I think most of the people in politics are psychopaths. I don't think you can be a good intentioned person and be in politics your whole life. I disagree. <laughs> okay. Move on. Battle Gnome 23. <laughs> says, oh, wait, you're going to do Battle Gnome? Go ahead. Do Battle Gnome. Battle Gnome 23 gives us 20 bucks. Thank you. And says, going to war is sometimes justified, sometimes not. Going to war with no desire to win or follow through with an outcome to promote national interest, that is never justified, no matter how noble the cause. I mean, Thank I... Yeah, my argument about, I mean, granted, being an anarchist, uh, obviously, I don't believe that states should be having wars in the first place, but defensive war, like self-defense is noble. So, yeah, if someone's attacking you or about to attack you or trying to attack you and you need to defend yourself, absolutely. Um, and if if you want to believe the entire 9-11 narrative that it was you know, Osama bin Laden and just Osama bin Laden, and he did his thing on his own, and we ignore the high high occurrence of Saudi Arabians uh, on the list of terrorists and all this other kind of stuff. But if you want to follow the, the mainstream narrative and say it was Obama, that, or not Obama, Osama, then then fine, yeah, go after Osama, sure, um, and and bring him to justice. Like, that's, that's fine. Um, and, and his cohort. But that's not the same as invading uh, Iraq, which had nothing to do with anything and Afghanistan for 20 years. Um, that's not, that's not, that's not what that is. All right, Libertarian Sasquatch says, I did two deployments of Afghanistan to Afghanistan and lost friends and just think keeping thing, just think keeping thing now. Why? For what? Wow. Yeah. And, and I, I get that, man. And it's hard to, it's hard to come to terms with, but I think, and I'm not just you, but, but any soldier who, who was there, I'm assuming that you were there because you wanted, like people I know, wanted to go defend America after 9-11 and wanted to defend freedom and liberty, and like that was your motivation, um, and, and possibly the motivation of your friends as well, when I mean, you watch them die, you've been used, and you get, it's hard to come to those terms, it's hard to like face that reality, but you were used that the best part of you was used and it was used against you. Um, and I, I get that that's hard to come to terms with and it's probably angering as it should be. And maybe you should get angry about it. But um, the, the best part of you was used against you. And they'll do it again. And they'll do it to the next 19 year old. The moment they get an opportunity. Cheeky Mare says, look into Suzanne Venker. She has several books about relationships. She's fairly conservative, but she makes similar points to that Carrie just did. Suzanne Venker. Cool. There's another she- woman. There's a woman named Alison Armstrong who talks about, I don't, I don't know how many books she has. She probably has at least one or two books. Um, but she also does like workshops and stuff. Uh, maybe COVID has changed that, but um, about, uh, I think a lot of her workshops and stuff are for women about respecting masculinity and how to not shut down masculinity in your man and then be and then be well, depressed that you're not attracted to him because you yes. just squashed his masculinity. This is this is something I haven't read books about this topic, but I'm not surprised that people are writing about this because you know 
as you get, as we get older, we have more experience and we start to get a little, hopefully become a little wiser about certain things that we were ignorant or arrogant about when we were younger. And um, the part of social justice I was in, the feminist part, definitely denigrated masculinity, denigrated homemaking. It made women feel bad for wanting to, you know, they just be a just be a stay-at-home mom. In fact, even that's the language they would use. Just, I was talking to some of the the women yesterday who who chose that, and they were saying, "I always felt bad about saying like I'm just a home home stay mom." Although that's what they wanted to do, and that's what brought them the most joy. And but fem, the part of feminism I was in this culturally where it landed, the timing of it, and everything, it made us feel bad about that. We called women breeders if they had kids, what a dehumanizing word, right? And I think you use that word for dogs. Yeah. Yeah. It's that words on purpose. They use that word on purpose mm -hmm. to dehumanize women who choose to be moms. And, and there was this, also this idea that, you know, you know, it's funny. I, I don't have a problem with, this would probably maybe be the most controversial thing we've ever said in our show, but I don't have a problem with, my husband being the leader, if that makes sense. I used to, because I was right, because I was in this social justice feminist part of where it's like, I was taught that if one of you is the leader, that the, that it's somehow um, insulting and disempowering to the person who's not. But in actuality, there's, there's gotta be a leader. If you're both leaders, you're going to be going in opposite directions sometimes. And who's the, who casts the, the, you know, who does the, the Thai vote who says, no, this is where we're going. We have to come to a decision. And maybe in some, I'm just saying on average, I think it's better for that to be the man because on average, I think that those qualities are, I think men and women are different in such a way that it's, it's um, in, I think it's better for men to be in that position sometimes. Does it I mean that every relationship is going to be like that? Yeah, I think it also sometimes depends on the thing, because a lot of times feminists only have a very, oddly enough, they have a very masculine lens on when they look at the world. Um, and so they're, who's in positions of power? Well, yeah. by positions of power, they mean politics and business. Yes. They don't mean who gets to control sexual access, because that's women, right? Like, they, they, they have a very masculine focus on, like, uh, on a lot of their standards. And so even even leadership, I would say, a lot of traditional relationships, the female is the leader in certain areas. In she certain decides, areas, yes, she decides like often actually it kind of, if you look at a kind of traditional um, split, which I think should be mutually agreed and, and so however you want to mutually agree that, but if you look at traditionally how that split, often the man would, would go out and earn a lot of times he would be on an allowance, which sounds like weird, but a lot of times he would go out and earn and and he would bring home the money and give it to his wife who would run the house and make all those kind of decisions. But he would lead on other things. We need to move because of my career. This is what I'm gonna go do that blah, blah, blah. Like he would make a, he would lead the family in certain ways. And in other ways, she would be the executive who made sure right. things were running and he wouldn't get involved with what drapes to pick and uh, like stuff like and where to spend money and where to get the best deals and 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 like how and to the, how to structure you know kids stuff and all that he would, just wouldn't get involved 
can I can I jump in for a second? I think mm. it's also it's not a matter of like every relationship's not going to be the same. And this is like that bell curve thing that we talk about where people misinterpret what you're saying because they don't understand that things happen on a bell curve. So I think on average, you're going to see just naturally men tend to be more uh, better suited for that role of quote unquote leader in the relationship. But that's not the case with everyone. You might have a situation right. where you've got a woman in a heterosexual relationship where a woman who is better suited for that role. But I think either way, there needs to be one that's the leader. And you can't both be the leader because you, you're not going to be able to solve some things where you completely disagree. And I think, for example, I, I, I want, if it works the way it's supposed to work, your spouse, your whoever that leader is, loves and respects you and listens to your opinion and, and values it and considers it. And it's not like they're just, they're just a dictator. That's an abuse. That's a corrupted leader. That's an abuse of power. Right. They're listening to your input and in, in, in your opinion. But if, it, if, for example, um, if you're having to make a decision about moving and you can't, and you both have different opinions about it at the end of the day, I'm going to, I'm going to air everything I think. And I'm going to trust my husband to say, to take all that into consideration and think about what I, my differing opinions about things. But then at the end of the day, I'm going to trust him. If he says, this is what I think makes sense for us. I'm trusting you. I'm putting that trust in you. Does well, that make and I me think... old fashioned now? I didn't used to be. And my other, my other marriage fell apart. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, you were also a social justice warrior, but um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I think we, we place too much emphasis on who's leading with, without remembering that every, every, Leader is not the same as master. It's not the same as master and slave. Correct. A master-slave yeah. relationship is different because it's involuntary. Uh, a Correct. leader and follower relationship is voluntary. So there are plenty of times when it's better to be in the follower role if you recognize that in whatever context this is, this other person is better at leading in this context. It's rational and in your best interest to decide to be the follower in that role. And I, there's not a, there's nothing less than, there's nothing dehumanizing about that unless, unless over a period of time, the leader is continuing to make decisions that you feel are bad, that you think are bad, and you don't do anything about it. Like you can't right. leave bad leaders. Yes. Right? If you have a, I'm not if you're saying the CFO, stay with a bad leader. <laughs> right, if someone, someone just compared the, the marriage to CEO and CFO, if you're the right. if you're the CFO and the CEO is leading, sometimes the CEO may make decisions you don't like. But if in general the company's going well and you like it and you think it's good and generally been good, then you stay as CFO. But if the CEO continues to make really poor decisions and it starts to really suck and drive the com the company into the ground, and the CEO won't listen to you and you've been right over and over again or whatever, and you're like, look, I just can't, I don't want to be in this relationship anymore you can leave. It's not a master-slave relationship. It is a it's a leader and follower relationship and that is a voluntary relationship. So, yeah. Actually, in the way well. we structured on safe space, I joked that Carter's my work husband, but it's the same <laughs> thing. Remember we had that conversation and I was like, "No, I'm comfortable with you being the leader. It's fine." Although <laughs> In the few situations where we've disagreed vehemently, it makes me upset. But then I have to like go back and think about, well, yeah, I did agree to that. And it's not that often. And you don't abuse it. I mean, you can't actually, this is the other, just 
and this isn't about marriage because there's usually only two people involved in marriage, but um, I think a lot of people don't, I, I talked about this yesterday a little bit in the book club, but a lot of people who haven't run businesses have this false idea that being the leader of a business is this tyrannical position where you can run around and do whatever you want and everyone has to listen to you. And that's almost the opposite of the truth. You can make decisions people don't like sometimes, but if you do it too much, everyone abandons you. <laughs> like you can't, you can't keep people there. You can't keep your customers there. You can't keep your board of directors around. You can't keep your employees around if you don't have their buy-in. It's just like, you, you can't, imagine a monarchy in which instead of overthrowing the king when you didn't like him, all you had to do was say, ah, I'm out. <laughs> and like, you're gone. Like, you're gone. That would be really hard to maintain, right? Like, you would have to actually be someone that they wanted to be in charge. Um, and, you know, it doesn't mean that you're the best and you never make any mistakes, but it's not, you know, a lot of people who've never tried to run a business have this, this false concept of like, well, CEOs are asshole tyrants. Asshole tyrant CEOs don't last. Their companies don't last. People leave, right? They, they can be non-asshole tyrants and not very competent, and maybe the company will, you know, limp do you along. Think, do you but... think this is always true, though? Because I've been yes. thinking a lot about psych psychopaths and how they amass power. And it, I used to think that was true, that everyone would abandon ship and that they would... I don't think that's true anymore. They become presidential candidates. Psychopaths well, that's, like president's not a company. That's completely right. different. You can then, like you have but they're the running there's a whole literally staff. no responsibility or like you have no. No, but skin they're meat. running a whole staff of people. Like to even get to that level, there's all these people bought into their brand mm, of it has nothing to do with business. Right. I, I, you just have to make a bunch of promises, be very charismatic, lie to people constantly enough to get elected probably make deals and sell your soul to get some donations from the right people. Um, and then you're elected and then you're never held accountable again. Yeah. You you never held the, it's not like, it's different. It's not like a CEO, you're going to work for that CEO every day and you're at that company every day. And it's like, and there's this very conscious thing in your mind, like, well, someone else, Hey, I like the CFO. He would make a better CEO. Like there's, you see that constantly. It's not, it's not like, you, you can't actually switch. Once you voted for a president, it's not really easy to get rid of him. And he has absolute control, theoretically. Um, although, as we saw with Trump, he didn't actually have absolute control. But look at Trump. Even in that case, the apparatus of, if you want to make the analogy, I think company to government analogy is bad, but if you want to make that analogy, the apparatus of the, quote, company didn't like him. And so he couldn't get, do a lot of stuff he wanted to do. They just didn't do it. They dragged so their feet. They, like, it didn't work. Right, but a lot of them they do like look at Kamala Harris or Clinton or whatever. I don't know. I think you're. I think you're right. They like somebody, him. somebody in the chat said. Somebody in the chat said uh, a con is not the same. Rodrigo said a con is not the same as a company. That's true. So, right. so I think it's a pretty good. I'm starting to realize that. I knew, I already knew that psychopaths were attracted to certain professions, like politician, surgeon. I thought they were pretty high up there. Was I thought they were? Oh, CEOs. they might be. They might be. But I want to. I want to make a distinction. You like psychopathy is a condition, right? Not an attitude. The condition is you don't feel 
empathy. You have to like fake it, right? You have to, you have to fake it. But you also, you you're also a sadist. You don't have to be. I mean, you don't have to be a sadist. Psychopathy is you don't, you have the, like, it's a physical condition. You don't have, I mean, the psychopathy that they're, that they're measuring when they talk about CEOs is an fMRI version of psychopathy. They're not measuring sadism. They're measuring psychopathy. Do they have the neurons that fire when other people have emotions? Do they have, do they have empathy? And so I, I think it's possible that it's possible that if you have to train yourself to fit in by actively paying attention to how to, to how to get people like how to, I'll say appear human, right? Like how to appear human and how to get people to do what you want. It's possible that actually you develop a skill set that's quite good at management. And mm -hmm. maybe you don't actually care. Maybe you are actually a psychopath. But at the end of the day, you're a psychopath who people want to work for. Like, whatever you're doing, they want to work for you. Interesting. Right? So, you know, does it, like, would you, would you maybe go do something that an ordinary person wouldn't? Yeah, you might. You might. But you probably won't do it very often because if you did it too often, it you would lose control. So I'm not sure. It's like a chef who can't taste. Someone's saying like uh, some. I see the word chef. I don't know if this is the analogy they're thinking of, but like a chef who can't taste, they have to like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out what things taste like to everyone else and try and recreate it. Doesn't mean they can't be a bad chef. It just means, you know. Oh, someone says chefs are no narcissists. Maybe they are. I <laughs> think they uh, are. <laughs> no, see, know. I'm starting to realize we, I don't know. We, this, we'll have this discussion another time. I, 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 I guess talk I about... prefer judging people on their behavior, not on oh, I'm what talking we about think their, their mental conditions are. No, I'm talking mm -hmm. about their behavior. And I, I've always, the stuff I've read about malignant narcissism and psychopathy, they, they have an element of sadism. They're not just sociopaths who don't have any empathy they also get off on hurting people and, oh right I, and i don't know right. and i would have to look at the ceo studies and other stuff and like yeah i i would find it hard to believe that the way to be successful long term is to get off on hurting other people like, look at I'm someone sure. like harvey weinstein let's talk about him just for a quick second harvey weinstein mm -hmm. based on everything you read about him when you know all these stories came out sure. obviously you don't know him it's hard to make that judgment yeah, no, but based yeah, on everything yeah. you read that's a person that in my opinion got off on hurting people on having this power over people yeah, and yet rose to this incredible level yeah but, position perfect, power. yeah but i mean harvey weinstein is an interesting one because hollywood is an interesting dysfunctional culture so mm -hmm. i like but um we don't we, Harvey Weinstein makes the news. Every guy who doesn't have a casting couch doesn't make the news because he's not exciting. Like, he doesn't make the news. Right. So the, the, the psychopathic leaders and CEOs make the news. Um, but there's, like, thousands and thousands and thousands of companies. Most of them are just, like, people doing their thing. They're not... Yeah. You know, they're not the evil... I think... Hollywood has in particular tried to make one of the disservices Hollywood has done to our culture is to make people think that the thing to fear is the evil CEO, Mr. Burns. 
Mr. Yeah. Burns isn't the <laughs> thing to fear. FDR is the thing to fear. The politician is the thing to fear, not Mr. Burns. Mr. Burns, the, his worst influence is only in Springfield, first mm -hmm. of all. Second of all, like, actually, Mr. Burns is an interesting example because he has a government monopoly on power generation, which let's pretend <laughs> that there could be competing nuclear power plants in Springfield. Like, Mr. Burns might not do so well, but like, the, the evil businessman has way less power than the evil politician. But Hollywood has, has taught you for generations, the thing to be afraid of is those big CEOs and the big companies. It's like, well, I don't, you know, I, there's not a special word. There's a special word for governments killing their own citizens. It's called democide. There's not a special word for CEOs killing their own employees. Like that's not a thing. We don't need a vocabulary word for it because it doesn't happen very often. <laughs> Like, we need a vocabulary word for politicians killing their own citizens. Maybe we should take note of that. Like, that's the risk. The risk is you're voting for people, like, working for a CEO or buying product from a company. You're voting with your dollars or your time to voluntarily give them some stuff. And you should be careful if they're evil or if they're doing bad stuff. Like, fine. Voting for a politician, you're you're literally giving a monopoly on the use of force. You're saying, yeah, um, all the guys with guns, I want you in charge. <laughs> you want, I want uh, you in charge of them. Yeah, I want you in charge of the guys with guns. Like, uh, uh, maybe you should be a little careful about that. Maybe that's where the threat comes from. Somebody... Who wants to do that? If a real psychopath wants to be president, not like not run a freaking startup or a company. Like, he doesn't want to make shoes. A real they, psychopath wants to own the military. They, they, somebody made, voters made this decision, presumably, about Cory Bush. Like, I want you to be in charge of all the people with guns in this area. Right. <laughs> right. Someone, by the way, uh, someone is saying we're not in a free market. Yeah, I'm, I'm using very stark, like, free market, not free market stuff. There is, there is some gray area mixing stuff right now because we're, we're not in a free market. So you end up with CEOs that are half politicians or half in bed, or like you get, you get, you know, to use an Atlas shrugged analogy, you get the Oren Boyles rising to the top much more than a Hank Reardon's. Um, and so, yeah, you, you don't necessarily get good people all the time, but, and, and maybe, maybe often, or most of the time you, you get people willing to be in bed with government, especially large companies. I don't think that's incorrect, but, but that's not Hollywood's message. Hollywood doesn't say be wary of the CEO because he has connections to power in government. They're like, be wary of the CEO because all he cares about is money. And once we, once he gets his money, he's gonna go murdering people. <laughs> like that's not, that's not. Yeah. He, he gets his money by offering products that people voluntarily pay for. <laughs> like he gets his money by doing good customer service, unless he's in bed with the government. So if Hollywood was full of like Orrin Boyle warning stories, like warning stories about CEOs who were in bed with the government and that cabal was dangerous, I would be totally on board with that message. That's true, that cabal is dangerous. Why not worry about banking CEOs? Sure, <laughs> like, but you know, you don't have to worry about tech CEOs or whatever in general, right? And I know we all hate Zuckerberg and, and Jack Dorsey, that's beside the point. <sighs> I've got right. something I wanna play, but maybe if, while I'm pulling it up. Should we do some up, super chats while you're yeah, pulling up? Yeah, do some super chats, and I'm going to pull this up for you. 1.21 gigawatts says, Carter, what's the name of that big boat from that Titanic movie? I've been stumped all weekend. Please help. <laughs> nice. Uh, Raj gives us a sticker and a thumbs up. 
Thank you, Raj. Um, Christopher Gorey says, Biden is just a puppet, empty-headed and senile and propped up by his masters to say what they tell him to say. I agree. And sign what they tell him to sign. Yeah, and I think this is something that the right's going to have to contend with. They have been correctly saying that he's senile. You can't say he's senile and blame him for the Afghanistan debacle. Right? If he's a senile puppet, then it's the puppet master who you can blame. Um, but he doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, two a self-defense law says had not heard one of your shows lately. You both look sad today. I'm a little <laughs> bit under the weather. I don't know. If, I don't know if Carrie's sad or not, but I'm a little bit under the I'm weather. Sorry so. two a self-defense law. Carter's <laughs> a little sick. I'm not sad. Uh, what am I today? Hmm. I'm a little stressed. We have the retreat coming up. And there's a lot to do and talk about. And there's a lot of interviews. And we're still trying to figure out. YouTube has not been letting our live premieres work correctly. And we have one that's supposed to be coming out tomorrow. And I don't. we don't know if it's going to work. You know? I've spent, uh, you don't know this, Carrie, but I've spent about two hours now uh, dealing with uh, tech support with YouTube. Going back and forth trying to get it to work. So it's they haven't crazy. yet said... Sorry, you have a wrong think flag on your account. So F you. That hasn't happened yet, but they're maybe, still maybe at some point. Like the flag. Yeah, they're pretending like, gee, I don't know. What, so what's, what's been happening, just so you guys know, I, I assume we're still going to put the interview out even if the live premiere doesn't work, which sucks. I think but we should, yeah. We should. So tomorrow, I got to speak with Ethan Vaughn and Skyver, who is the comic book artist from DC, who was a subject of a social justice mob targeted not just in his workplace for voting for trump he was eventually he lost his job and it wasn't just because of people at his workplace targeting him like i said there were journalists there were people outside it became a huge media mob and they targeted this guy for firing they called him all the names and then booted him out and this interview was so much fun i know because a lot of people have been recommending him they you know they called this comics gate like gamer gamergate and they were like you really got to talk to ethan and so we finally got to talk and it veered into more of a personal area in some in some ways which i just love learning this stuff about him but he and his wife started their own independent comic book it's called cyber frog and he's ended up breaking all these records they've sold over a million copies of the first issue they have they have a whole industry built up now around cyber frog he's making more money than he ever did at dc that people showed up to support this independent comic and to support this guy and to catch him when, when he fell and he's got more freedom and loves what he does. And I think he's a real Testament for someone who, who went through the fire and went through this really dark place and then came out like a Phoenix and built this, built his own career with his own uh, customer base. And so anyway, long story short, that's coming out tomorrow. I can't wait for you guys to hear from him. And it's going to suck if the live premiere doesn't work because people want to be in the live chat. But if it doesn't work, just watch the video without the chat and let us know in the comments what you think and give Ethan a follow. And uh, yeah, that was a really good, that's a really good one. So, well, I've got, um, I've got the video queued up. Do you want to look at that video? Yeah. So last I assume night, Josh so is cool with it, right? Yeah. So oh, I haven't asked him, but I'm sure it'll be cool because sure. yeah, okay. we're promoting his show. So if you haven't been following the disaffected podcast, Josh Slocum, who does a whole show about social justice and cluster B personality disorders, his shows come out. He does a live premiere on Sunday nights. And so last night I've been in the chat on a few of these now. It's really fun. 
but uh, he did one about psychopaths. And this little clip, I'm just going to play it from his show because I, I don't know where else to find it. But this is fascinating. This was on CNN. And this I'm is Corey Bush. And, and just watch this and think about what's the meaning of the word propaganda? What is propaganda and what is news? How long should I play it for, by the way? Just play it till the end of the CNN. It's not that long. Okay. I don't hear it. I don't hear it either. Hmm. Oh, I know. Sorry. You can yeah, leave it right there. It's fine. Okay. No, I still don't hear it. I don't know why. Yeah, for some reason, my audio is not working, guys. I don't know why it's not uh, working. Okay, well, watch this part. I'm going to tell you what they're talking about here. He's about to show the clip. So this this aired on CNN, and this was a uh, Cory Bush uh, being brought on side-by-side side on the camera with a supposed single mom who she was helping with her eviction moratorium. And if you don't remember, Cori Bush is the one we showed a picture of her recently where she was camped out <laughs> on the Capitol steps for this, to get the eviction moratorium, to get the CDC to, to move forward with this and say that, that landlords can't evict people anymore if they're not paying rent or, or else be subject to a $150,000 fine by the gut from the government. If you want to evict someone and they, cause they haven't paid you rent for a year, she was fighting against you, but she's out there saying she's doing it because she loves you. Right. So they had her side by side um, with this woman. Is it playing? Well, I, I don't think the audio is working. That's so. okay. I just want you to watch it. Just watch the body language. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm talking over it anyway. So this woman here on the left is a single mom and uh, Carter. We'll, wait for you to well, it's not that okay. simple. I wasn't prepared to do okay. this. So. That's okay. Uh, her name I is don't Dasha. See them moving. Okay. Her name is Dasha Kelly. She's 32 from Las Vegas. And in this segment, she basically thanks Corey Bush. She does this thing that sounds very scripted, where she thanks her for fighting for her and because she's one of these people who was going to be evicted. And um, and then Corey Bush does this really weird thing where her face first of all her face to me just looks like someone with a personality disorder as she's listening to all of these compliments she's look at her she's just so proud it's all about me right? yeah that's her on the right i did this for you she made she ends up making this heart with her hands and then she says this is the least that we can do for you is to step up and make sure that you get to stay in the safety and comfort of your home while we work on other things to help make sure that your life and the lives of your children are better Okay, so this is this is to me. There's look at the heart, heart she's yeah. making there. She's been tweeting a lot about how she loves you and about how the government loves you, right? So CNN aired this thing, which first of all, um, it, it, even if even if this story ended up being true, this is straight up propaganda. Like you went and found someone to put a face on this and then to congratulate Cory Bush and kiss her bum over her policy positions and over her hysterical like camping out on the on the steps of the Capitol to push this eviction moratorium through but what ended up happening did you see this carter 
This woman's mm-hmm. not even real. The whole oh, story really? was a lie. Those are not her kids. <laughs> <laughs> can you believe that? Yes. <laughs> yes, you believe it? Okay. Yes, I can. Um, here we go. Today, CNN released the following correction to the story. Quote. A correction? The- yes, a correction. <laughs> oh, this we got aired. a detail wrong. It was all fake. This aired on TV, you guys. After CNN aired a story about her potential eviction, Dasha Kelly clarified to CNN that she is not the mother of the three children featured in that story. (laughs) CNN has verified that she does take care of the children in her home for periods of time. So she's a babysitter and she plays a single mom. Yes. Uh, the update continues. She ori- she says she originally described herself to CNN as a mother because she considers herself to be like one. CNN I identify has- as a mother. <laughs> CNN so. has learned that the children are cared for by their mother, Shadia Hilo, and their father, David Allison, who's Kelly's boyfriend. Okay, so this woman also set up a GoFundMe. And because of the CNN segment with Cori Bush, where she's kissing this politician's bum on air in a propaganda piece, raised hundreds of thousands of dollars. All of it fake. Well, it's real money. Well, real money. Fiat. But, but anyway, thanks for thanks for uh, <laughs> indulging. Sorry me about the. Tech, the sorry about the. I, I didn't know we were That's doing okay. sound. I don't know why this sound wasn't working, but. Um, I just wanted you to see that story, Carter, because yeah. I figured you had not seen it. I had, I had heard about a fake mom, uh, you know, who, who turned out not to be true, and about a GoFundMe, but I didn't realize it was part of a CNN segment. <laughs> I mean, of course it was. Yeah, I just, like. Is anyone still watching it? It's like for of course it's the are... major it's the, it's the the state run propaganda network. Everyone watches. For the people who are still in that propaganda like echo chamber, though, do they not? Does it? Do you think it even penetrates to them? Do they even find out? Are they likely to even find out that this was fake? They don't care. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they don't care that it's fake because it could be true, and it was the right thing to do anyway. So they support it. Like that's they they support the political agenda. So they, they the propaganda doesn't bother them because they want those, you know, dumb knuckle dragon libertarians to agree that we should do this stuff. So if they got to throw some propaganda at them to agree, then then that's just fine. Right. Like they don't they don't care. Most of the people I mean. Look, most of the people don't even watch anything or pay attention, right? They just, you know, do what their Facebook feed tells them to do. But even the even the kind of bourgeois elite, they, I mean, they probably think it's funny that it was fake. They probably get off on it a little bit. They're probably like, yeah, it was fake. But, you know, leftism is superior and these idiots don't know what it's they okay need, yeah so. you're right i don't think they matter i don't think it matters to them cheeky mayor gives us a super chat five bucks and says gofundme is still letting her have the money if the people who gave it don't demand a refund but they canceled matt walsh's gofundme for aoc's gma oh i remember that Grandma. 
grandma. He did a uh, he did a GoFundMe, and they, they basically come in and they act as these moral arbiters of what is worthy of a GoFundMe and what's not. So they've started. To, they're totally woke now. GoFundMe. They'll come in and say, "You can't do this one, even though people gave you money. We're gonna shut it down." Mm -hmm. And then for something like this, this will be like, well, like you just said, Carter, well, it rings true, even if it's not true. Right. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I mean, look, the, the stupid masses need some myths that they'll believe in order to push them in the right direction. So who cares? In fact, they probably prefer that it's not true because it makes them feel like they duped one over on all, all you idiots. Like that's their that's their attitude. I'm, I'm telling you, I live in the Bay Area. That's their <laughs> attitude, guys. That is their attitude. That's the attitude of the leftist bourgeois. They think you're dumb. They despise they you. They think you're absolutely stupid. They have they don't owe you the truth whatsoever. You are not owed the truth. Cuz you're too stupid. The thing is this contempt that they have is I don't know if it's just that it's reached higher levels now or or they don't they don't bother disguising it anymore. But you can see it everywhere now. You can see it in the way the comic book industry treats its fans, the way the entertainment industry, the television shows, the way that they treat the fans. They don't care. The contempt is there now. It's just out right out in the open. They have contempt for the customer. And I don't it's know. It's metaphorically it, true as yeah. far as they're concerned, right? It's like yeah. it's true in the grander sense of metaphor. <laughs> She's that this policy helped some mom with kids we presume so <laughs> and she's grateful we presume so why not this manufactured mom with manufactured kids who's manufactured gratefulness like like okay like doesn't it yeah. doesn't matter it doesn't yeah. matter to them and again even if it were true and it didn't turn out to be like fraudulent that that piece is still propaganda you don't bring on, it's like, let's go get, get me a family, bring them in. Let's help them script what they're going to say. Let's get the politician split screen so they can thank them and grovel. And then the politician can, you know, be like a God, like godlike, like, yes, Look, I do this I, for you. Yes. You know what Josh Slocum from Disaffected was calling it? He was calling it like Eva Perone. They've got the Evita syndrome. AOC yeah. too, this sort of, um, I'm doing it all for you, poor working class. It's give me more, give me more mm -hmm. of your gratitude. Yeah, I'll, I'll, let me just be, let me be crass about it. If we were in 19, late 1930s Germany, right? If we were under the Nazi regime, CNN would be finding some poor Jewish kid who used to be homeless, who now has a job, working for Hitler in the kitchen and loves him as a result. The one kid he didn't kill, whatever it is. And that's the story they would run. Oh, oh yeah. the the Reich's excellent work programs have helped this. Look at this great. Like that's what they would do if necessary. Like in that culture, actually, they were openly vilifying, you know, people that, you know, weren't quote Aryan or whatever. But like if they felt that was necessary, they would go cherry pick. They'd find the one person that told this narrative they want, right? Actually, in, in that case, they would probably go find the worst of the worst of the, the people they didn't want, like Jews or um, 
blacks or whatever and they would they would put those those were the people that would be on stage they would find the murderers of them and put those on the news and then they would go find good little you know straight a student german boys who were robbed by a jew for some reason and that's the story they would run and they like you're supposed to draw the conclusion that jews bad you know good little german boys good and like that that's that's all they have to do that's all they have to do the stats don't matter. They just they'll just cherry pick for the narrative. And that that's exactly what CNN would be doing if it was, you know, 90 years ago. Yeah. Or, you know, 80. Look at years. uh look at Walter Durante in the New York Times. Yeah, I I was gonna, I was going to use Stalin in the Ukraine as an example, but I didn't think people knew it as much. But, but yeah, yes. that's what that's actually that's what, what the New York happened. Times did. Mm-hmm. And the New York Times won a Pulitzer for his lies, you know, mm-hmm. lying about the whole Which was never revoked. He won a Pulitzer. It was never revoked. Um, and I think I mentioned the movie the other day, uh, Mr. Jones, about the reporter who figured out that Durante was a lying sack of crap, um, and, and published the truth. I think he was killed like within a year or two after that by Soviets. Wow. Right. So. (sighs) Well. Sad today. All the news that's fit to print. I do feel sad sad today. Now now I'm sad. Christopher (laughs) Gorey. Christopher, I'm just going to do some super tests. Maybe they'll cheer us up, although this one's not going to cheer me up. (laughs) Christopher Gorey says, when the former governor of California said, screw your freedom, I had to think that if the current governor of Texas or Florida said it, they'd be destroyed. Oh, it's a double standard. It's a total double standard. Yeah, Arnold Schwarzenegger, former go- governor of California, says "screw your freedom" and calls everybody schmucks, and that's okay. But if it absolutely, if that were DeSantis or Abbott or someone saying that, it would be twenty four seven news. And and the same thing with Afghanistan. If this were Trump, if Trump were president, and the same thing were unfolding right now in Afghanistan because of a mismanaged withdrawal, it would be just imagine what would be on all the cable news. First of all, mm-hmm. constant criticism, but it would it would be. Uh, I mean, Trump's they, a buffoon, would, orange man, stupid. Right. What an idiot! He's off playing golf. Blah 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 blah. Everything you know, of course. Yeah. yeah. Stop being. I, this is the message I want to give to the audience. I gave my message to the military people today. Please just come home and defend our freedom. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The message to the rest of the audience is: stop being. Stop being surprised that that they're hypocrites. <laughs> like stop. Stop being surprised. Open your eyes. Yes, they're hypocrites. It's not I surprising. Think, I think it's okay to continue to have that a bit of that surprise because if you if you put yourself in the shoes of the people who are still asleep, it helps you to it helps you to empathize with them and to and to and to have and to communicate with them if that's something that you do. I know Carter doesn't talk to a lot of people who are asleep, but I will still sometimes do that and and they have a lot of shock. They have a lot of surprise when they start to open their eyes. And if they're talking to you and you're just jaded, sometimes it's a little, you're like, yeah, I know. I'm not saying you have to be jaded. You can, <laughs> right. you can be angry about an outrage, right. but like, it shouldn't surprise you, right? Right, right. It, it may surprise other people, but, you know. Um, all right, let's see. Sarah Clithero, I don't recall seeing you in chat before, super chat before. Um, sorry if you have, but Welcome. welcome. Um, she says, you guys need to check out Larry Correa and ask him about the Sad Puppies campaign. This controversy predates Gamergate. I've read about, um, from Vox's stuff, the Sad Puppies, um, 
but I haven't seen Larry's stuff. Uh, some history of, and actually, I think Milo wrote about sad puppies, didn't he? Back in the day. I'm not sure. Um, Adam Coleman is in chat. Hello, Adam Coleman. We also have an interview with Adam Coleman coming out soon uh, about his book, Black Victim to Black Victor. And it, I love, I love talking to Adam too. We also talked, got pretty personal about some personal stuff and about relationships. And I really love that conversation. Um, Adam Coleman gave a $5 super chat and said, I love how progressives get power. They immediately turn into elitists. Corey can feel safe with her private security, but we need to defund your police. That's the other thing she was in the news for. Thank you, Adam. She was in the news recently for saying um, she was asked a question about defunding the police and, and did she, believe that she still needed private security and she said yes i mean she's i mean we know again like you said we shouldn't be surprised she, that they're hypocrites she didn't say it in an anarchist way though because i think you should defund the police but i think you should start with the cia the fbi the atf um all the three-letter agencies if you start by defunding them i'm totally on board and then we can defund local police and then we can pay for our police services and it can be <laughs> a you know a free market um yeah she pays, We're not there anytime soon, I get that. You should know, she pays, uh, uh, here's the headline from New York Post, Cori Bush will pay 200000 for private security, but still wants to defund the police. Progressive Democrat Representative Cori Bush has admitted she's willing to fork out $200,000 for private security to protect herself, but says defunding the police still needs to happen. The Missouri representative declared in a CBS interview on Wednesday that despite advocating to defund the police, she needs private security because she has faced death threats. The 45-year-old member of the squad has faced mounting criticism in recent weeks after it emerged that she had spent $70,000 on private security in just the last three months. Asked to respond to those who branded her a hypocrite, Oh, this is good. Get out of my way, Ad. I want to read this part. <laughs> Asked to respond to those who Brenda are a hypocrite and unapologetic Bush hit back on Wednesday by telling critics to, quote, suck it up. <laughs> hey, suck it up. I'm a hypocrite. All right. Okay. Got it. Um, all right. G-Man says, mainstream media is like the WWF. We found out a long time ago it's fake, but we still like to believe it's real. I was never into the WWF, but I do... I do get that people like to believe it's real, um, but if but then they go home and recognize that it's not real, right? I assume they they don't continue believing it's real. Uh, B. Allen says in Afghanistan, people cling to planes hoping to escape. In the U.S., people whine about pronouns. Right, <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> that is true. Um, let's see. Christopher Corey says, guys, I know it's tough, but truth is definitely cutting through their lies and fear and confusion. We are in the weeds, but the garden is still there. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 for me, the garden, Chris, is, uh, it's the, it's the idea and spirit of individualism in the U.S. Like, it's underneath, I mean, frankly, there's a lot of weeds even in people's hearts around that. Like, they feel it. They think that they are individualist, but they haven't thought it through, and so they don't even act in support of individualism 99% of the time. But um, but it's there. It's certainly in the U.S. more than it is anywhere else in the world. So, um, you know. It's in Texas. I made another. It's, it's a little bit in Texas. It's a little I, bit. I made a plea online. I'm going to make it again. Come to Texas and help us fortify the state. 
So here's I'll, this is my opinion on Texas. Um, it, well, my opinion on on choosing a place to secede if you're going to secede, right? If if that's your path that you're interested in, like, and, and you're like, where should I go? Um, I think there's a couple different factors, at least politically. One of them is like the liberty mindset. Like, the, is there is there a mindset of individualism and 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 freedom? And Texas probably for me, Texas doesn't win on that account. Um, it's okay, but you know, the, New Hampshire might actually be better in many ways because there's been a lot of political activity in the Free State Project, and like there's there's places where that mindset is probably a little bit better than Texas. But, yeah, but then you have to live there's in a New flip Hampshire. side of it. Well, I, I actually love New Hampshire, um, yeah. but there's a flip side of it, which is. What about the spirit of and ability to carry out secession? And to me, on that weighing that, Texas wins hands down yes. of any other state. So, so long as they're so as long so long as we can like help them remember and maybe even relearn some individualism and ride and and like stoke the fires of of the secession. Texas is probably a good choice. Like New Hampshire, even if New Hampshire had the spirit to and wanted to secede, I don't think they could pull it off. I'm not sure Texas could, but if anyone could. Zato Texas. says Zato says Texas needs to retake their state first. I agree. I yeah. think I think we need to do that in two ways, not just by relying on wrong thinkers move, moving here, although that's what I would like to see. I would like if you're looking to escape one of these blue places and you have the means, like consider Texas because we need help. That we have an influx of people who are bringing bad ideas with them, bad ideology with them, and and we need help. But beyond that, Zato, you're making me think. You're right. We need to. There needs to be a movement within the state to get back to our roots about you know to get back to well, that. Maybe just discover individualism. individualism and like how to how yes. to do it right. Yeah. Because I think I think from a, an emotional perspective, a spiritual perspective, they get it, um, but I don't think they get the application of it, by and large. Um, so, yeah, I look. I know, guys. People are like, you know, this state is better. This state is better. I'm just from my perspective. This is my personal analysis. You can have your own analysis of it, but I look at those two major things, like in terms of the culture of a state. It's like, okay, how much freedom loving and independence is there? And then how much can they actually pull off a secession? Um, and, you know, I get I get I get South Carolina and New Hampshire and all these other great places. There's let's no do it in all the states. I mean, but, but let's maybe. do it. In, you can fortify wrong thinkers in all those states. I mean, I don't I just, you know, why not? Because concentration matters, right. right? So rather than having wrong thinkers in 10 states, if they all went to one state, that would probably be more likely to secede, right? In, in any kind of battle, right, you if you, you have inferior forces, which, by the way, we do, uh, then you one of the things that you do is you concentrate them and you break through at your enemy's weakest link with your concentrated forces. You don't spread your weaker forces out. That's how you lose. Um, Beverly wants to think at the local level. 
I, that's because you don't want to leave Pennsylvania, Beverly. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should start at the local level because I don't want to move. Well, I mean, okay, that's that's fine. You should do the local level, but probably from a place like I'm in the Bay Area. Should I start at the local level? I mean, it's just there was no there's no hope here. There's zero hope where I am. Like I, the local level was useless. So, all right, but most places I think that is the right way to start. Um, so. And, and Beverly wants on Safe Space Island. Yeah, I don't know. we would be we would be an immediate target. So we need more people than just the unsafe space community. Unless we so, grow large, which reminds me, press that subscribe button. <laughs> if you want enough people to succeed, press the subscribe button. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. <laughs> I. Uh, there was something I wanted to read on Friday. If you guys haven't seen it, we had a great. A great Casual Friday episode with Sarat Chawla, the therapist, and Clifton Duncan, the actor. I loved that that episode so much. So go check that one out if you haven't seen it yet. There was something I wanted to cover on that one, and I couldn't because it got to be too long. But I'm wondering if I can send this to you now, Beverly. Um, this is this was actually this was actually shared in the unsafe space book club group. If you're not in that group, you can join on Facebook and people, it's not just, you know, we post whatever book it is that we're doing, but people also shared news items. And this, I thought this is kind of a good news. It's, it's every kind of good news these days is a little bit tempered is a little bit, well, it's, it's got some, because of a bad thing that's happening, but this is a, this is a silver lining. I really like this. This is a letter. You can put it up. I'm going to start reading it, but, um, this is a letter that was shared by Amy and it's from an eighth grader named Abigail Sherlin and her parents shared this publicly so I can read it. Um, it's okay to read it. So she says this was sent to her school district. She wrote this on August 11th as an eighth grader here at CMS. I love school. My sixth grade experience was fantastic. I went virtual last year in seventh grade because my family does not wear masks. All I wanted this year was to have a normal face-to-face -face experience in sixth grade, I would walk into class every day and my teachers would greet me with a visible smile on their faces. That was my most loved year at CMS. Seventh grade was a lot different. All I had to do was turn on my light, brush my hair, get back on my bed, sit down and log into class on my Chromebook. I loved all my teachers that year, but I still wanted that face-to-face -face encounter with everyone. Honestly, I think it is very silly to not let me in school. I'm out of choices. I cannot wear a mask, but yet... That, but yet that cannot coexist with face-to-face -face interactions at school. All I want to do is go back, but yet I cannot enter without a useless germ-covered cloth over my nose. You teach us all about Jonas and the giver and to break away from what we feel is wrong, but yet you are the less exaggerated dystopian society. You teach us about fairness, but this is not fair to me or my little sister who just want to go to school. I've been thinking about all that for a while and when I was, my train of thought took me to the sixth grade ball. I remember in sixth grade, oh, the sixth grade hall. I remember in sixth grade above the bathrooms, there was a moving quote that went something like this, quote, stand up for what is right, even if you stand alone, end quote. That is where I stand. This is wrong. Rosa Parks didn't become a role model for people all over by saying, okay, when she was ordered to move to the back of the bus. She stood up for what was right, and it was worth it. Look at America right now. Look at racial rights right now. You cannot expect me to wear a mask that does more harm than good just to get an education. Me and my family have not changed. 
you have. You are greedy and selfish and will not let me in a building without disobeying my family's philosophy. I don't know about you, but I was taught that sometimes the laws are wrong. 200 years ago, it was legal to own slaves. Nowadays, that's inhuman and tortury. I bet that 100 years from now, my great-grandchildren will be thinking something similar about today's society. This whole thing is putting me in an odd situation because I want to go to school, but I can't. This is not right, but not a lot of people are willing to say that. I am a good student. I am a quiet girl, very shy and insecure, but I am through with this nonsense. I want to go to school. Abigail Shoreland, eighth grade. And then she has a quote from a book. I <laughs> Scott think. It's, Westerfeld. It's a great book. Scott Westerfeld, author of Lights. She says, when she was awake, the world was on fire. Author of Uglies. There's an ugly series. My daughter loved the ugly series. Hey. Um, so it got a little bit woke in the last few books, but the first few books was, are much better. Um, well, thank you for letting me read that. I... Amy said, you know, if we get to read it, Abigail would probably be thrilled. So I wanted to read it because, look, here's the thing. I don't like, I'm the first to call out children who are used by their parents to voice the ideas and words of their parents. I I can't stand these people on Twitter talking about, my four-year-old today mentioned, why is the patriarchy always so bad? You know, I don't like that stuff. I don't like people um, uh, using children to voice the ideas of adults. I don't. But this feels different to me, and it's not just because I agree with her sentiment. I thought it through. I think part of it is because of her age. She's an eighth grader. So I was thinking back to that. That's the time when I started to try and figure out what I thought about things. And so this is, what is she, like 13, 13-year-old? 13 uh, yeah, probably. And clearly she's influenced by her family's philosophy and her family's, as she even mentioned, my family's philosophy about masks. But she's able to articulate it in what sounds to me like the words of an eighth grader. It's not the it's not uh, it's not a four year old using words like patriarchy. So I, I I thought I thought this was a really really well written letter. And I want anyway something positive that I wanted to share is an eighth grader who says she's shy. She's a shy person. She doesn't speak up a lot, and she wrote this thing. So good for her. Your daughter could write. Your daughter could write something that's. How old is How old is your daughter now? She's twelve. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I. She doesn't go to public school, um, but her school is not. I mean, it's not as bad mask wise, but it's not. It's not great. Um, the thing that breaks my heart about it is kids shouldn't have to do that. Like I, I get it. They should, I, I'm a little bit sad about it because kids shouldn't have to do this. Like she shouldn't, my daughter shouldn't have to argue. This kid shouldn't, Abigail shouldn't have to argue like that. This shouldn't be yeah. her job. Yeah. Um, it, it shouldn't be on her mind. She shouldn't be thinking about it. She shouldn't have to get into debates about masks or public policy. Like it, she should be busy learning algebra <laughs> like, yeah. I, like this shouldn't be on her radar um yeah. and the fact that she's got to, or that she feels she needs to do it uh is what's sad right um so yeah sorry um, i think was i supposed I think, to be <laughs> no i just <laughs> i i think that leftists have 
and I say this as someone who's, you know, coming from the left, leftists use kids a lot. And, but they use kids because it humanizes, uh, they put a human face to it, or they use like that fake single mom we just are, saw in the, in the CNN thing. They tell stories by using people. Right. And yes, this strikes me as an eighth grader who's like, okay, I get it. So I'm going to write a letter so you can, I can humanize it from this perspective with a kid's face. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Let's do a couple of super chats. Um, by the way, I love this quote from Dion. She's always got good quotes. This one is from Robert Heinlein, uh, which is don't handicap your children by making their lives easy. I've talked about, I talked about my struggle with that recently and like how to make that balance and the importance of that. I think it's an awesome quote. Uh, all right. Christopher Gorey says, another one for Christopher Gorey, he says, as a fellow Texan, to fortify our Lone Star State, we must defeat the evil currently infesting local school boards first. I agree. I mean, I, I do like the local action. If if I was going to recommend a course of, I, I can't move right now, but when I can, I think the course of action would be move to Texas and get involved at the local level. Like, right? F fight, go, move to where you think you can secede and fight like hell to make your local community more liberty-minded, right? So. Yeah. Chavez Chavez, thank you, gives us $4.99 and says, woke passports with your voting history in order to move to Texas. Is he saying that they'll probably start demanding that? <laughs> I would be okay with it, kind of, except for the problem is you can't know who people voted for. Yeah. Um, But... Uh, look, I mean, if, if I, if, if I were running a country, not that I would want to run a country or like countries, but if you're, if you're trying to have a landmass with borders and can like cultivate a particular culture, uh, purity tests at the border are like, I know that sounds horrible, but it's kind no, but of the it, only way that you protect the culture. <laughs> right. But, but is, but is Chavez saying that that's they're going to do it the opposite way, like social credit score. Like you have to be woke to get in here. <laughs> oh, so often we'll control it and be like, sorry, you didn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You said, you said a nice thing about Trump once in 2000. Yeah, they're setting up Facebook. Maybe here's the thing about, about the Vax passports is they're setting up a system that they can use in lots of different ways. They're making us okay or trying to make us okay as a society with the idea that they get to tell us where we can and can't go based on certain criteria that they determine. You know? I feel like a couple of years ago, we talked about China's social credit system and we were like, oh, this is going to come to the U.S. And it, it felt, even to me, who's pretty pessimistic about the U.S., <laughs> even to yeah. me, I was like, well, I mean, it'll come to the U.S. eventually. <laughs> I, it's like... Right here. It's right. It's like we're on the verge. There's New York City's got apps for COVID passport stuff. We are like really close. We and and I know Ian um, from uh, the Great Reset series on Unsafe Space. He's talked about this. Uh, I forget the acronym for it, but it's like government society and something else environment or something like that, like score that you get. Um, yeah. And uh that that companies are starting to 
I think BlackRock is pushing and other companies are pushing and saying, well, you're not getting investment if your score is too low as a company. And, and eventually that will be rolled out to people like we're, we're closer than I thought we were. And I, I'm like, I don't know a lot of people who are as <laughs> black pilled about the U.S.'s prospects as I am, but I, even I was wrong. It's faster than that. Yeah. So. Um, Matt Deckard says, I thought we dropped patriarchy last month as we lived toward even Pelosi dropping all gender everywhere. This entire MSM even mentioning Taliban and how women, uh, they must identify as men now. Yeah. Andrew I mean, Knapp. Okay. <laughs> Andrew Knapp, $5 says, thanks for doing these. It makes me feel a little less alone on these issues. You're welcome, Andrew. Thank you guys for hanging out with us and helping us do alone. these. You're not alone. There's a lot of us and, and everyone who watches these shows and, and help, you know, shares them or you help us to continue doing this. I mean, we would be doing it anyway, but you help us to do it. So I, uh, I wanted to share an image with you before we go. I'm not sure what time we're sure. ending today. There's two images. I just, sent, yeah. I just sent you guys put up the second one. The one that says, uh, what on it, put up that one first. This is, I don't know if everybody has seen this yet, but this is a screen grab. I first saw this on James Lindsay's feed, but I've since seen it lots of other places. This is a screen grab from a news story on NBC. The bottom is a meme. That's a, they just make <laughs> the what? But if you look at the, <laughs> if you look at the top, it says potential terror threats. Now this is from the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. And they've highlighted a few things and you can what? go through and yes, you the can first go through one. What? Yes. They've put out a, a, a list of guidelines for <laughs> Homeland security has for us to be able to recognize potential terrorists that might be living near you or around you. Number one on this bullet pointed list is opposition to COVID measures. Carter. Yeah, I know. I, I didn't realize you hadn't seen this yet. I know it's, they basically just are saying that we're all terrorists. Um, yeah. I mean, what do you want me to say? It's uh, <laughs> I, I don't ever come at me again with the U.S. can be saved. That's all I want to say. Like, don't ever come at me. Like the entire this is coming from the entire federal government. This is ridiculous. The U.S. cannot be saved. Stop pretending it can be saved. Try and gather some people who are individualists and save the ideas somewhere. Let's hope beyond hope that we can save the ideas and preserve them for future generations but the u.s as it's in its current form i guys i just <laughs> open your eyes yeah yeah so <laughs> so this is one um the second bullet point is a potential terror threat of friends and family a way to know if they're terrorists is that uh, if they claim that there's been election fraud or if they have a belief that Trump can be reinstated terrorists. <laughs> <laughs> well, how are you laughing? <laughs> how are you laughing? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think having a belief that Trump could be magically reinstated is kind of ridiculous, but the idea that that's a terror threat is yeah. just really funny. I'm imagining the people from the QAnon documentary, like, 
there are the terror threats. Like, Trump, Trump's totally going to be, re- he's going to be reinstated and there's a secret cabal and blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, they're the terror threats? Really? They're the yeah. terror threats? Yeah. Have this you seen is- Seattle? <laughs> yeah. This is this is more of what you were talking about of the fox in the hen house pointing the finger at some coyotes miles away. Some some possible coyote miles away. Go look over there, guys. Look go look at the This is not pointing at coyotes. This is the foxes in the hen house pointing at a squirrel twenty miles away, going, That squirrel's looking a little bit angry. He could get the chickens. It's like there's not a he's not a threat. He's not a threat. That has nothing to do with the terror threat. Yeah. Okay. Now here's the third one. And I actually, I think this was, um, it says nine 11 anniversary and religious holidays. I think what they're saying there is that those are dates at which you might ex- oh. expect a terrorist threat. Um, at first when I read first glance, when I read this, I, I was thinking, are they saying that that's, uh, <laughs> that if you celebrate the religious holiday, <laughs> That's next year's version, Carrie. That's, that's next that's year's the, version. Yeah. yeah. You know, next year's Celebrating Christmas, say... writing Merry Christmas instead of Happy Holidays is a red terrorist. flag. You might be a domestic terrorist. Let's actually make some predictions. Next year, this list is going to include opposition to COVID measures. Wait, go back to the screen, Beverly. Opposition to COVID <laughs> measures, claims of election fraud, um, and then it's going to say, Christian, <laughs> uh, white people. It's going to say uh, anyone having an American flag. Having an that's, American that'll flag. be one of the fun things. Will be that the an American flag will be considered a terrorist symbol. Terrorist symbol. Um, that'll be fun. celebrate. Insists on celebrating the Fourth of July instead of Juneteenth. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, someone said CRT opposition. Ab- absolutely. CRT yeah. CRT yeah. opposition. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, watching <laughs> supporting uh supporting gendered sports in the traditional like by, separated yes. by sex like that'll believes, be that'll be one of them mm-hmm. believes in the, uh biological sex that men and women are distinct categories well you know we actually don't have to even see what they're going to do is they're going to take eventually that list of stuff that they claimed was white supremacy from the smithsonian um which included being like showing up on time and and rational thought and math and like a whole bunch of like normal things that normal people do um or or use like math and and reason individualism they complained they said all this was part of white oppressive culture or whatever that they're just going to so you can there's a pipeline of escalation right it's like First, this language is people who are slightly problematic. Then this, well, they're not just problematic. They're maybe they're supremacists. Well, they're, they're, eventually they will be domestic terrorists. Eventually it will be like people who argue for individualism are domestic terrorists. Mark my That's words, okay. that will happen before I die. Saying I'm an individualist and I want liberty. That will be a red flag for being a domestic terrorist. I guarantee you. Like yeah. record it, save it, come back. I will. I will still be alive when that will be considered domestic terrorism. Yeah. So I also sent you an article that relates to this. Um, <clears throat> this is from Engadget, or I saw it reported on Yahoo, but it, both places are fine. So this is an article. The headline is Homeland Security May Use Companies to Find Extremism on Social Media. 
And then there's a little subtitle. There are concerns this will degrade civil liberties. You think? You think? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. So there, how about <laughs> why doesn't it say there are stupid concerns from white supremacists that this will disc- degrade civil liberties? That's they didn't fill that out and be flushed out. Ter- the terrorists are concerned that this may degrade civil liberties. <laughs> okay, here we go. The Department of Homeland Security might not rely solely on in-house systems to spot extremist threats on social media. Intelligence officer and initiative leader John Cohen told the Wall Street Journal in an interview that Homeland Security is looking at hiring companies to analyze social networks for signs of impending terrorism and other extremist violence. The department had been studying social media before, but the outside partners would help dramatically, in quotes, to expand these efforts, Cohen said. Murmurs of extensive social media scanning first surfaced in May, but there were few details about how it would work. The rumors suggested that Homeland Security would focus on alarming trends rather than individual targets, such as brewing extremist movements or threats against specific communities. The aim is to catch the violent rhetoric behind events like the January 6th Capitol riot, which Homeland Security didn't anticipate despite mounting social media activity. Do you know what's not mentioned in that paragraph? The years worth of violent, fiery, deadly Black Lives Matter and Antifa riots in cities across the country. A year's worth of these events where people died and lost their businesses and neighborhoods were terrorized. Not mentioned. Keep in mind, um, this they, they don't, they're not about, these three-letter agencies are, are no, they're not about protecting the United States as you conceive it. They are about protecting the the class in power, which is moving in a particular direction. So like, they're not, they're not about, if you were in the Soviet Union and you ran around saying you like freedom and liberty, you were, that would probably be enough to be you a traitor and a terrorist and probably you could be executed, right? So that's, these, these agencies that you maybe boomers think of in the past as being about somehow keeping America safe and protecting us from people like, they're they're keeping the the political class safe. They're they're keeping the agenda safe. You've become an enemy. You have to understand they're they're going to make you into an enemy. Some of you they've already made into an enemy. Oh yeah. If you think that our show, Unsafe Space, is not on these lists, like I think you're incredibly naive. Carter and I have, have come to right. terms with this recently. Yeah, I'm um, sure there's feds somewhere in our Yeah. In our community, Audience. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. absolutely. Um, that's what they do. That's what the, it's sort of what you talked about when we look back at history and we see we see things like um, these three letter government agencies embedding in the media and you know things like Project Mockingbird, and then we're supposed to believe they don't do stuff like that anymore. They embedded with they embedded with uh, the Black Panthers. They embedded with mm-hmm. with Martin Luther King. They you know they were tapping people. They they keep track of look at what just happened with governor whitmore that supposed supposed group of people that were trying to kidnap her and then it turns out that how many of them were feds or informants like 12 of them (laughs) oh like over half of the people involved in the plot including the people that like conceived of it and pushed it and did most of the work were all like related they're either informants or feds or whatever like they were all feds 
They're all feds. They're all feds, including the one that acquired the explosives and told them where to yeah. put the explosives. Right. <laughs> like they're they're all in bed with the feds. Um wow. Anyway, okay. So oh, just, someone said it was only twelve of the eighteen. It was only oh only twelve of the eighteen were either government informants or actual employees of the government. Okay. Yeah, not a big deal. Just twelve of them. Not a big deal. Um, so it's like the to... FBI. The FBI plans a terrorist plot and invites some friends, and then arrests the friends for showing up with them. Yes. <laughs> it's like ah. Yeah. <laughs> and if you guys read, I know we mentioned it once in this episode already, but the management of savagery. They talk about stuff like this. They talk about feds and informants actually egging on some of the Islamic mm-hmm. terrorist attacks in the U.S., egging them on, acquiring explosives for them in some cases, telling them to go ahead with plans, like encouraging this to happen. Yeah. At what this, point does this that is, become? Yeah. I hear. So, I, if this is. I. This will happen someday. There'll be a house full of feds plotting some terrorist thing, something that's horrible and and you know violent, and they'll order a pizza, and when the pizza guy arrives, they'll yank him inside the house, and then more feds will show up and arrest everyone there, <laughs> and that pizza guy will be part of the conspiracy because <laughs> he was there and he was involved and he he was supplying materials. Uh, that, that I, I guarantee something like that will happen. It's just like, yeah, it, and it doesn't matter. It sounds ridiculous and like, and and slaps like a slapstick comedy, but I don't want to say like these totalitarian regimes are funny because they're horrific and brutal. But through the through like a really dark humor lens like some of the antics that they get away with the the audacity and the ridiculous disconnection from reality that they are able to achieve can can almost be funny it's almost just it's it's a ridiculous level of stupidity that they can with a straight face execute on if they were a movie plot you would say it's unbelievable it's it's just That's what right. somebody in the chat points out, uh, unindicted co-conspirators. Yeah, January 6th, speaking of January 6th, right. unindicted co-conspirators. How many of those were informants or actual government employees? Who and, do you not and, indict who's a co-conspirator? Yes. and, and Basically they, an informant. <laughs> basically an informant. And if you look at, uh, if you look at the Governor Whitmore thing, they will say, read, read the news about this. They'll say that it, it gave them a lot of... Uh, they viewed it as like a precursor to January 6th. And there's one part of, of the stuff that we now know about that Governor Whitmore plot where the informants told the feds they're planning to go at one of these protests. They're planning to go into the state house. They're planning to go into the Capitol. This was in Michigan. And yeah. they thought that the feds would prevent that from happening. And instead they opened the doors to them and let them come in with their, yeah. with their guns and stuff. Pretty similar to, anyway, anyway. Yeah, someone someone in chat was pointing out that there have already been examples of cops doing a drug bust and arresting only other cops and realizing, like, there was no one. They were just yeah. the cartel. It was like two cop cartels arresting each other or whatever. Yeah. Um, I want to okay, read so, this. This is not yeah. a super chat, but Dion says this, and she's hot on the uh, quotes today, as every day. But... Um, it's a quote from Ayn Rand, and it's, do not help your jailers to pretend that their jail is your natural state of existence. Um, and she talks about this. I think she has an essay called Sanction of the Victim, or maybe that's just one of the sections in Atlas Shrugged. I don't remember. But a lot of times, these people can't get away with this without your sanction. 
what they want. It's just like in 1984, they don't want Winston to just do what they ask. They want him to sanction what they're doing. They want him to believe it. It's a similar kind of thing. They want your moral sanction. And it sounds crazy that they need it, but they do need it. They need it as cover. You need to strip it away. One of the reasons I actually like, as useless as it is to say taxation is theft, and I get it feels useless, but the reason people like it and the reason people say it is it's stripping away the cover. It's stripping away the cover of what's going on. It's theft. It is theft. That's what it is. We're removing the cover. You can still do it, right? Like you can, you're holding a gun to my head. You can still do it, but I'm not going to pretend that it's not theft. It is theft. And I'm, that's just one example because it's a common one I'm using, but like, don't let them, don't give them sanction. Point out when they're, what they're doing is wrong, even if you have to comply. And well, don't respond to anyone in the entire unsafe space community who suggests doing violent, illegal things. No, because uh, we don't. Because they're feds. And they're feds. <laughs> Those are only the feds. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the That's the FBI. If you want to know who the FBI is, it's whatever guy in chat is like, yeah, we should do blah, blah, blah. That's the <laughs> What do they say? They call them glowing because they're so obvious. They're glowing. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. I think we are. Oh, there's one more super chat from I'll Fight You Naked. Five oh, blocks. there's a couple Thank of you. super chats. Yeah. Oh, says uh, the movie that I was talking about. I'll see Elysium. Elysium, Elysium ends with Medicare for all. I, <laughs> I, leave for, I leave for five days and Afghanistan falls. Great. Just great. See, you needed to be there to keep it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know what? Take that energy and use it here. Fight for Robert, Texas or someone. Robert Bedell. $5 says remembering things <laughs> is now white supremacy. We have always been at war with East Asia. Yeah. Yes. yeah. 1984. If you haven't read these old dystopian classics, we've read a lot of them the past two years in unsafe space book club. If you didn't join us for those and you haven't reread those recently, don't rely on what you remember from when you were a kid, read them now. They're very helpful. They're very helpful for yeah. you to, and, and to talk about with other people. Andrew Knapp. Oh, I already read that one. I think we're called up. Um, Demagini. Uh, Demagini. 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 I'm sorry if I can't pronounce your name. Says, "Hail panel! Great seeing you on Nina's carry." Oh yeah, thank you. I was on Nina Infinity. I was on her channel the other night doing a live stream. She was cool. We're gonna have her on sometime. Cool. That was fun. Um, Keith the Hack Guy says, parents pleading to school board to drop mask mandates is teaching kids the school board and government is a higher authority than parents. Say no or leave, right? Oh, I feel yeah. you. I agree. I agree. Um, some, by the way, someone not in super chat says, did you ever read Fahrenheit 51? It was one of our books in book club, so you can go find that archive. Yeah, and you know, somebody was telling me yesterday after church that there's they've started memorizing different pieces of scripture because eventually they see, you know, they don't want us to have books <laughs> and that they, may they, sound. They're not gonna, I actually don't think that's at risk. You don't think so? No. Cause it's nobody reads anyway. With information now you can stick stuff on it. I mean, I could store half the library of Congress on a small USB drive. You can't, they can't actually destroy books anymore. It's too hard. Mm -hmm. They could make access to them on the internet very difficult, but uh, right. The storage density has gotten so high that 
like I, I could I could easily on a on a small device store every great work of Western civilization. Easily. Easily. Well, I kind of I kind of think they don't they don't need to get rid of books anyway because they right, have no so reads. many no one reads and there's so much distraction. Nobody's right. reading. That's how you get rid of books. Yeah. <laughs> no one reads. Yeah. Um TikTok. Marie Busky. <laughs> Marie Busky Busky. Uh, did show up to save me from myself today. She says, fill your boots for the swear draw. She gave gave me money. I was on a little bit of a swear tear this earlier today. Um, Fran and Francis Montgomery, who I think is the last super chat here. Francis Montgomery says, speaking of dark humor, the death of Stalin on Netflix is awesome and very historically accurate. I recommend that for your movie club. I've never heard of it. I should check that out. Thank you. The death of Stalin. The death of um, Stalin. Okay, guys, thanks for hanging out with us today. Someone says, hold on, I just want to, someone says, Carter, war is human nature and will always exist, so being against it is a futile position to hold. First of all, I hate when people say that. Speak for yourself. <laughs> like, whenever anyone says initiating the use of force is human nature, they're speaking for themselves, avoid them like the plague. Second of all, I'm not against war. Retaliatory war, defensive war, like aggressive defense Violence is fine so long as it's used in defense. What's not fine is the initiation. So just to be clear, I'm not a pacifist. I think pacifism actually ultimately enables thugs because the thug rises to the top. The pacifist they doesn't doesn't actually defend anything. What we want is we can I can circle back to the beginning of the show. The young men with with that are have being sent off to war to defend liberty and freedom and have had their aggression channeled against, you know, Taliban or whomever, that aggression needs to be channeled against the enemies at home that are destroying our liberty. That's where that aggression belongs. All right. I think we can finally be done. Thank you guys for hanging out with us today. If you are coming to our retreat in Texas, we will be seeing some of you very soon. And yes. Uh, we've got emails going out with more information about shuttle pickup. So check your email and um, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys. Tiger has purchased a dog pass. I'm kidding. Dog pass isn't a thing. Um, but look, look at him. This is people I, were talking about. I know he's, he's such a cute dog. People are talking about sources of joy these days. And I have to tell you, having a dog, it's just, it's really nice. Yeah, there. Get a full screenshot of him. Look yeah. at that hair. <laughs> Biden is. I'm watching Biden talk. Apparently, he's he's trying to put words together to talk about Afghanistan right now. A lot. Tiger's more compelling than Biden. I know. <laughs> that on okay. this we agree, and perhaps a better commander in chief. So, all right. Yeah. With that said, Carrie. Yeah. We will see everyone later. We do have shows coming out this week. We're hoping that they will be premiered, but at least they'll be up if not premiered. Um, so, and I apologize in advance for, I still haven't updated the credits in a while. I've been busy. Uh, I'm, I will try and update the credits. If your name's supposed to be there and it's not, don't worry. I won't update the credits on time next time either. So it will last for longer than it's supposed to. All right. Have a good one, everyone. Thanks guys. Bye Carter. Bye. Thanks for watching. 
If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy, so go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com slash donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms. Well, mostly. And you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the Cathedral. Pay no attention to its thinky talk. The following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and will be recycled as part of our sustainability program. Here's a fun fact, there is literally no downside to unreserved obedience. We are not violent. But I would like to remind you that we have nukes and F-15s. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks of the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.